Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Thanks to Branch Basics for supporting today's episode of Elevating Motherhood. Branch Basics is an educational company that offers non-toxic, simple-to-use cleaning solutions for your home using one powerful plant and mineral-based cleaning concentrate. You can literally use their one concentrate to clean everything from bathrooms and windows to floors and laundry. I even use it to get out tough stains in my kids' clothes and living on Maui with red dirt around, that is a very common thing. Simply dilute their safe, effective cleaner into their refillable bottles. The instructions are right on the label. Branch Basics has been an amazing addition to our home. I'm always looking for ways to reduce my family's toxic burden, and Branch Basics fits the bill. Plus, their goals align with mine to make cleaning sustainable, affordable, and simple, all without the use of GMOs and harsh chemicals. Head over to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash branch basics for more information. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash branch basics. Today's episode is also brought to you by Homeschool Explained. If you are a parent who is looking for a new education path for your children, you are not alone. We have all been tasked this year with what sometimes feels like the impossible, especially when it comes to educating our children in these extreme conditions. We are all doing the best we can for our own families. And sometimes that looks like exploring options other than the current one we're using. So if you're one of many parents who want to explore other learning options that will free up your family schedule, get your kids off screens and offer more connection and peace in your house. Homeschool can be a great option. It's legal in all 50 states, flexible and filled with opportunities for connection. If you want to explore homeschool as an option or have questions about how to get started, my online course Homeschool Explained is for you. It's packed with homeschool resources, answers to common questions, and all the information you need to get started on your homeschool journey with confidence. There's more information available at homeschoolexplained.com. That's homeschoolexplained.com. There's also some really great free resources too at elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool, as well as on the show notes page over at elevatingmotherhood.com. There are, I believe we now have 16 free episodes with some really great homeschool minds about tips, tricks, and ways to get started too. I hope that helps. The Grammys were supposed to be this weekend and have now been postponed until March 14th from what the online world tells me. Today's guest is part of a Grammy award-winning band that was nominated for another Grammy this year, but then turned it down. 
Joe Maylander is the guitar player for the Okie Dokie Brothers, and he is here with us today to talk more about the band's heart behind their choice to decline their nomination, as well as all the things. I kind of mean it. This conversation is amazing. We go deep and wide in today's episode covering all things singer-songwriter, parenting, child development, stigmas surrounding children's music, the evolution of family music, history of music, storytelling, music genres, the creative process, connection with nature, adventuring, and basically how parents are changing the world. As childhood friends growing up in Denver, Colorado, Joe Maylander and Justin Lansing were always exploring the outdoors, whether it was rafting down their neighborhood creek or discovering hiking trails through the Rocky Mountains, Joe and Justin were born adventurers. Now, as the Grammy award-winning Okie Dokie brothers, they have put this passion for the outdoors at the heart of their Americana folk music. Joe and Justin record and perform family music with a goal to inspire children and their parents to step outside side and get creative. They believe this can motivate kids to gain a greater respect for the natural world, their communities, and themselves. The five-time Parents' Choice Award winners have garnered praise from the likes of NPR's All Things Considered and USA Today and have been called two of Family Music's Best Songwriters. If you're here because you are already a huge Okie Dokie Brothers fan like myself and my kids, welcome. Joe is great and you are going to love this interview. If you're new to their music, welcome. I am thrilled to be the person who gets to introduce you to modern family music, not only from the Okie Dokie Brothers, but other bands and musicians that Joe generously shares with us too. Without further ado, let's welcome the inspiring Joe Maylander to the show. Aloha, Joe. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, so happy to be here, Lori Beth. Thanks for having me. Mm, This is such a special treat for me. My children, my nephews and I absolutely adore your music and everything that you're doing and putting out into the world. And this, my listeners will understand this really speaks to my Appalachia raised children's literature heart. And I am just so honored to be able to share more about you and your music with my international audience. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would. Of course. We're so happy to be having this conversation with somebody from Appalachia, as you say, you know, we say Appalachia, but we don't say that too. (laughs) Okay. And yeah, I just feel like we've got some, some good things in common that we can talk about music and, and stories and, and all of that good stuff. So let's get into it. Mm, So cool. Well, I'd love to start by asking you to share a bit about you and your music and how the Okie Dokie Brothers came to be. Sure. So, so I'm Joe, I'm a guitar player and um, my buddy, Justin, he's not my real brother, but we call each other brothers. We grew up together um, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, He's the banjo player and we both write the songs. So uh, since we were kids, you know, we have this shared childhood of playing outdoors in, in the woods, in nature, up in the Rocky mountains, we'd go camping with our families and um, my family had a, a farm outside of town that we would spend, you know, long weeks in the summer together just exploring. And uh, that is kind of the well we draw from now as, as adults. You know, we're in, we're in our 30s, mid-30s, and we're 
we're kind of remembering those those emotions, um, those memories, those feelings we had as kids um, connecting. And we, we draw on that sense of adventure um, and just like connection to one another through friendship and, and nature for our, for our songs. Hmm. I love that so much. It is the age of reflection. Welcome. I'm a little bit older than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I have moved into this very reflective phase in my life. And I just want to just go ahead and validate for you how spot on you seem to be in your reflections, because I feel like you're honoring where you are now in, in your music, but then you're also shining a light on what childhood actually is like. So my kids light up when they listen to your songs, because it genuinely strikes a chord in them. And also harkens back to my childhood too. And it ends up being this nice connection point and something we can talk about and laugh about. Um, in particular, actually your song Campin, we get a big kick out of that because <laughs> definitely only camp in our yard. <laughs> right, <now. laughs> right. Yeah, that one definitely came from a few experiences I had as a kid with my family where the camping trip kind of went uh, awry. And then uh, just recently I had a, a, a son named Hap. He's, he's about to be mm-hmm. four years old. And we've got, we've gone camping a few times and, um, you know, it's easy to romanticize how great camping can be and it can be amazing. Um, I just wanted to write a song that was kind of like, and this is also what it looks like sometimes when, uh, things don't go as, as planned. It's brilliant. Yeah. Thanks for explaining it to my kids. (laughs) Uh, Right. (laughs) My mommy and daddy really don't want to leave the yard these days. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Well, congratulations, a big congratulations on your Grammy nomination that I saw online that you guys declined along with two other bands. And wow, I would really love to invite you to talk more about your heart behind this decision. Right. Yeah, it wasn't a decision we took lightly. It wasn't an easy decision. It took a couple weeks of conversations uh, with our children's music community and our families just to kind of feel what was what was happening here in our genre. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so of course we're honored and we mean no disrespect to the award. Um, I think the Grammys in general do a really great job at inclusion and bringing in lots of different sounds. Uh, this was more of just a reflection on the children's music community in general, mm-hmm. which um, in recent years has just kind of been um, going in a direction that kind of sounds like the same type of music um, getting recognized over and over from the same types of people and um, nothing against, you know, white people making folk music and strumming guitars. Obviously, that's what we do. Uh, We were just kind of pushing the community to broaden horizons a little bit and expand the definition of what is children's music. And there are a lot of um, records this year that came out from people of color that had a new take, a fresh take on on children's music, and they didn't get recognized. So uh, because this has been an ongoing problem, uh, this was the year that we finally felt like, hey, you know what, we need to stand up and say that we can step aside to make room for different sounds and a more diverse community so that it reflects, you know, the, the true makeup of American kids, which are 50% kids of color. Um, and, and also, you know, that benefits white communities too, because we all get to partake in the beautiful diversity of this country. 
Mm -hmm. Well, I think you guys did it really gracefully too. And one of the things I appreciated was pointing out the history of it too. And Mm -hmm. just instead of just saying, Hey, this is something we've noticed. You're like, Hey, this is something we've noticed and here's some information to back it up. So, right. There are numbers to back it up, right. You know, only 6% of the nominees in the last 10, 10 years have been black led groups. And, um, there's so many more on the ballot that, um, that don't get recognized. And this year there are a few just amazing masterpiece records that just, uh, just got overlooked. So we, we had to stand up after, especially listening to our, um, peers that are people of color and kind of feeling what's going on as they feel maybe not included in the genre. And, and we really wanted to welcome people like that because I think our genre could become obsolete if we don't progress and open our arms to to different um, types of music. Yeah, that's actually something I am concerned about um, with a lot of things related to children's stuff with my studies in children's literature and just seeing the disappearance of different aspects that feel really important Mm. um, to learning and education and all of that. I Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for doing that. That took a lot of bravery and initiative and, and soul searching. And then the way you presented it was just really even and honest and yeah, it was really good. Thank you for asking us to please widen our lenses a little bit um, for the sake of all the things really, truly well done. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for saying that. Well, I'm wondering what it's like to create music in our wild modern world that seems to be encouraging parents to completely skip over traditional children's things. Like I was just mentioning things like nursery rhymes, poems, playground verse, even things like not learning um, cursive and stuff like that for brain um, body connections and whatnot. And, And it just seems like the, I don't know, I tried to explain it to my listeners. It feels like we're still in grade school sometime and trying to keep up with the trends of like, what is the cool girl doing? What is the cool mom doing? You know, what's the cool thing to do? And, and it feels like as a result, we're trying so hard to be the cool mom that we are completely ignoring things that our kids need. So we're allowing them to listen to only adult music and completely skipping over children's music. So man, what do you think about all that? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think we're all tempted, even myself as a as a father, you know, we see some of this flashier stuff coming out, whether Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the videos or the movies or the characters, um, or or the music, you know, that has more of a a flashy appeal, um, Mm -hmm. that if our kids are exposed to it, they're going to want more of that. you know, I've made a few of those little, I don't know if I'd call them full on mistakes, but you know, I've, uh, he was exposed to a certain type of music or or band in school, like his little preschool. And before you know it, you know, that's the only thing he wants to listen to. And Mm -hmm. um, he hears kind of like acoustic guitar and is like, oh, this is boring. (laughs) Versus like this, like really like beat heavy pop music. Um, which is, you know, it's totally fair to explore those things. And, and we don't want to like hit the brakes and, and make him feel bad that he's into that or anything like that. But it, it does have to do with like, it's a slippery slope before mm-hmm. you know it, you know, you could be listening to stuff that's like well beyond um, the age appropriate stuff. And, and you, and I will say that if you can take it slowly through these beautifully calm, you know, folk songs where they learn rhythms and rhymes and um, how those nursery rhymes work, 
that to me is taking it a step at a time and they're they're learning kind of the foundations of music before jumping all the way to say the Beatles or something you know we hear a lot like there's no need for kids music we just listen to the Beatles and Mm -hmm. that's fine I I listen to the Beatles with my kid too um and other other grown-up bands but um but I will say that if you know if you don't understand what the Beatles are drawing from they're drawing from like that's right tra- traditional music and like blues music and the blues music is based on you know field music and work songs and like those basic premises to to music are so important to then understanding where we are today and i would just feel like you're kind of robbing your kid of of the like i say foundations of rhyme and verse and and rhythm and also like melody, you know, start with some basic melodies to really understand why music hits you the way it does. Mm-hmm. I love that. You're almost a preserver of history too, with the style of music that you guys uh, yeah. put out there too. It's just like you said, understanding where the Beatles come from. Oh, we listen to the Beatles too. Oh, blah, dee, oh, blah, da. It's one of our right. favorite songs for 2020. <laughs> And I'll jump in to say say this. Of course, you know, that sounds like almost like this historical preservation um, philosophy. And and while I, I think there's value in that, I also think there's a mix with like, you know, progress and like accepting kind of the new, like, you know, we do, we kind of bring in new twists yeah. to the to the modern. And there's a nice balance you can you can find of like, you don't have to be like strictly preservationist. Uh, you can also kind of like find stuff that uses the traditions and and kind of updates them or dusts them off a little bit and ultimately that's what we're trying to do with our music is like harken back to the historical traditional models and patterns Mm -hmm. while like adding a little bit of a, a modern twist and dusting off some of that old school stuff that like you know a lot of those old folk songs are um questionable when it comes to (laughs) the rates and gender and how we're you know treating each other so there are reasons why we have to edit some of those those old songs that's right and you guys are walking the walk with that your your music is very thoughtful and it definitely feels like a a a very solid balance between the honoring of the past and, and and sticking with your genre but then making it absolutely absolutely new and fresh for sure and I also think um, my moms will understand that when we're talking and saying this, that we're not meaning to shame anybody who completely skips over the children's music stuff, because right. I get it. Or No one's asking anyone to just put on only children's music, you know, or only listen to Mary had a little lamb in a weird synthesizer organ on a CD in the background, you know, because it's, it's good for your kid. There's just so many different ways to introduce it and, and just keep like age appropriateness in mind. And it's this constant unfolding where we're just learning a little bit more and, and understanding, you know, why certain things are age appropriate, developmentally appropriate, all of that, because we dive into a lot of child development stuff here on the show. And we're not taught this. These are not things that are taught to most parents. And the only reason I'm aware of it is because of my background in children's literature and in studying different elements of that. So it's really wonderful to hear it still applied now because boy, it feels like my master's degree was a long time ago and Mm -hmm. throw in your own kids in there. And wow, (laughs) your whole philosophy on all this changes. And we definitely do the best we can in the moment and show up that way. 
Well, yeah, and, like, and if you don't mind, I just yeah. wanted to just acknowledge something that you were touching on, which is there is, I think it's just important to say, there is a common stigma out there of like, you know, children's music, maybe from the 80s or 90s, where most, you know, parents are like thinking what their um, experience with children's music was, was kind of, you know, cheesy and and mm-hmm. folky and uh, a little like dumbed down or something like that. Yes. And um, there, there are examples of that. There are great examples of people that didn't do that back then too, but, but uh, it's not all or nothing anymore. You know, it's not like um, just because that stigma exists, it means all children's music is like that. I think there's been an evolution in the genre where so many people uh, are starting to call it family music and they're great. trying to write songs that are great for kids developmentally at their early stages, um, as well as putting in little messages and jokes that the, the parents might uh, get a kick out of. And and so we call it kind of, we've been called the Pixar of kids music because it's mm. like watching a Pixar movie, the kids love it, but the parents enjoy it too. And so I just wanted to make sure, I'm not you know patting our own back here. There's a lot of bands that do that type of thing uh, now because they've recognized, you know, children's music has this reputation of like, oh, I want to like rip off my ears because <laughs> these things are so annoying. These songs get in your head and it's like, there's a little bit of that, but of course there it's, it's going to try to find this middle ground to bring parents into, um, a place where they can enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. You do that so well too. I mean, I can't oh, tell you how many car rides down the mountain we've taken <laughs> where I'm like, you know what? Uh, we need something to connect over and guess what it's going to be everybody. Okie dokie boys. Come on. You know, like just we right <laughs> throw in the CD and instantly we both like feel heard, understood, and we can just enjoy something, you know, in common and just get down into town so we can do our errands and get home. <laughs> right on. That's so great to hear. And yeah, we do. We hear that almost every day from fans writing in saying you know how much it means to them and and that just keeps us going it's such a great um privilege to be a part of somebody's family life like that Mm, you guys are so cool so cool i mean just i knew it i i had a sneaky suspicion that you guys are really (laughs) cool and humble and awesome and 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 were this thoughtful and intentional and now you're just proving it and i just cannot wait for my listeners to hear hear that and see it for themselves I would love to talk about the bluegrass stuff a little bit because I came to Maui back in 2002, but I was raised in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, Appalachian Mountains. It really depends on who you talk to. (laughs) Um, uh, But I was raised around bluegrass music. It speaks to my heart. It just does something to me. Uh, I love, love, love listening to it. It feels kind of strange to have these Maui born children um, being raised on Maui and play bluegrass for them sort of out of... Mm context because I have such an emotional um, reaction to it when I hear it and I, I just watch them and wonder if they if they really get it or not but um, I actually my dad tried to teach me the banjo when I was four years old um, my fingers were just way too fat and mm-hmm, <laughs> it right. didn't work out but him and his siblings were in a bluegrass family band when they were little and 
it's just incredible to me to see parts of bluegrass and American folk music and all of that in your modern music, these new albums, you know, your newest album that came out. I was like, wow, this is incredible. I really appreciate seeing this carried through. And I was wondering how important it is to you to focus on bluegrass and folk genres, if it's intentional at all, or it's just like natural to you or even sort of a mix of both. Yeah, well, it definitely is is a mix of both because we're intentionally uh, listening to a lot of these old time bands or bluegrass bands, um, but we also are drawn towards the singer songwriter um, genres too. You know, <laughs> and even a bit of like the the like what do they call it? Um, <laughs> outlaw country. You know, it's not like the, <laughs> the modern country. But, um, you know, there's different, there's different intersections of like old time singer, songwriter, country, um, funny songs, just like dance songs. And um, our influences, you know, are from way over to like Bob Dylan and, and Neil Young to, to Doc Watson and, and the Carolina Chocolate Drops. Um, oh, Doc, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's, those are that... Um, that old that old time music there's a slight differentiation maybe your listeners don't uh care too much but i'll just jump into it quickly between old time music and and bluegrass music um you know bluegrass is 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 fast banjo and uh three finger style and justin actually plays old time banjo which is a claw hammer style that's um more of this like back porch Appalachian um, style music. And, and we kind of mix those together. Sometimes we get a three finger banjo player in there. And um, then we mix that with singer songwriter stuff like Roger Miller influence, or um, I don't know if you know Gillian Welch and David Rawlings, but there are big influences on us. Um, and then like, you know, bands like Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, you know, we grew up mm -hmm. listening to that kind of stuff. And so we, we mix it all together. Uh, with a little Shel Silverstein, you know, sense <laughs> that's of humor. awesome. And and with that, you know, comes out our our music. And and of course, we our biggest like recipe for what we find to be the most successful songs are, you know, finding meaning and something that really touches people on a deep level, but also balancing that with like a lightness and a sense of humor that we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we try to acknowledge kind of the beauty. Um, and slow slowness of of life too uh, at the same time so it's like there's a sweet spot in there <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that some songs hit and then our albums in general because we get to kind of combine a bunch of different songs hopefully you're left with a little um, a takeaway of both beauty as well as um, kind of just like lightness mm -hmm. you sound like a homeschool parent <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's something we've been considering and, and we don't know exactly where we're going on the education path, but mm. there's something so beautiful about, you know, spending time with your kid like that. So maybe that's where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. It's so good. That's, I mean, that is the biggest compliment, really, truly, as a, as a deep into homeschool, homeschool mom. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. That's what we try to do so much and just find that balance, like you said, between being intentional and very nature-based and slowing down and, and seeing the wonder of the world and then also so not taking ourselves too, too seriously too. That's so it. good. Are there any other um, musicians or like specific songs that have influenced you or even like ones you want us to know about or wish yeah. that more families knew about? Sure. So, um, 
Well, actually, I, I think um, just off the bat, we do have Spotify playlists that we make. Oh, cool. um, and there's one on there called Kid Friendly Songs for the Whole Family, okay. um, which both draws from children's music, family music, as well as just like, you know, great tunes by the Beatles and Casey Musgraves and Paul Simon, Tom Petty, mm -hmm. Bob Dylan that are appropriate for kids that almost, you know, sound as simple as a good kid song. You know, it's like, think about Joni Mitchell's Big yeah. Yellow Taxi. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I think that's just a really good all ages family song. It is. Um, it's very relevant to my little Maui kids. Let me tell you. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, exactly. Pave a paradise, right? Mm -hmm. John Prine has songs like that. And, um, and anyway, the, like, you know, these are just a, it's a good mix. Uh, if you go on there, I will also say we have another playlist that we made this summer that is um, family music by artists of color that, you know, has some really interesting um, takes on, on kind of family friendly all ages tunes by Taj Mahal or Bill Withers or Nina Simone. Um, mm -hmm. Again, people you wouldn't, you know, think of when you think of children's music, but there are songs on their repertoires that, that work really nicely for family listening. So yeah, check out our Spotify page and, and check out the playlists we've made. You know, we have a winter playlist on there and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I'm super excited for the next question too. Oh, but first let me tell my listeners, I will definitely link to those playlists in the show notes. I was writing them down already. Like I'm so excited to look them up. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, they're fun. We listen to them at home here with our kids. So. Mm, so cool. So cool. Thank you for that. Well, I'm actually really excited to talk with you about the topic of storytelling um, because the overlap of storytelling and music in your music is unmistakable. It's just awesome. And I was a trained storyteller with my degrees that I got in children's literature and all of that. And my heart just about bursts when I listen to your songs. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Way of the Storyteller. Oh no, it's, I haven't. Oh have man, it's, I think that you would really enjoy that book. It just, wow. It really gets to the heart of storytelling and, oh, and it's funny because I feel like the word storytelling has come up, um, a lot in our modern world, but I'm seeing a, a lot on the business end where it's almost being sold as like a sales technique. Oh wow. Businesses. Have you seen this at all? Oh, so it's a, is it kind of like a public speaking type technique of like getting people interested in your, your brand or something? Kind of. Yeah. Only okay. I feel like they have dumbed it down um, mm. and said, you know, you, you are a storyteller, you have a story to tell. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. actually there's some storytelling techniques of like how oral traditions were passed down from generation to generation. We're just going to skip over that part. <laughs> Oh, right. Right. It's like start, start back at square one, right? Yeah. And it's so odd to me, um, all of this. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on storytelling and its place in, in our modern world these days? Yeah, well, um, I guess I'm not too familiar with the business side of what's going on with kind of how they're, they're using that. Um, but I, I will just say, you know, I think storytelling is one of those like, ancient techniques to to keep passing on virtues and um, values in a really um, you know uh, I guess it's just a smart way to keep informing each generation of why we're here and what our purpose here is um, so we don't lose track completely 
of our connection with each other and and with nature and uh, so we don't get too big for our britches and i do think mm -hmm. you know that skill is is being um lost um mm -hmm. in the sense that like maybe we are skipping crucial steps so we mm -hmm. we use this thing that we we might somehow deep down know is effective but if we don't do it in a in a slow meaningful way we're kind of forgetting the whole point of it which is again to just say like um <laughs> what matters and what matters is being present with the people around you and your communities um, being present with with nature and observing, you know, um, the seasons and the the rhythms that are trying to to get us to to slow our minds down that are overthinking and overdoing um, and overconsuming. And so there's been little pieces of wisdom passed down, you know, archetypally through through lots of different cultures and lots of different ways that are trying to remind us, hey. Um, you know, going fast and progressing at an insatiable speed mm -hmm. might end up uh, kind of coming back to bite you. So um, if you look in all these folktales, there's something around those lines that are always in the middle of those stories to, to humble you and slow you down. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. <laughs> the way you put it, I feel like is a twist on what it is we've been saying a lot here on the show of slowing down and connection with nature being a really solid theme and something that can bring us a lot of peace as moms and parents. Um, it, it's just so interesting. I love that. You're right. The, the hurry, hurry, hurry. We're just trying to get away from that so much. And yeah, now not on top of this, I'm talking about homeschooling. Now I want to send you the nature-based uh, Charlotte Mason curriculum that we use. Um, they're actually mm. the authors in Colorado. <laughs> and, oh, nice. And um, just so, so interesting because I, I do feel like there is this um, return to nature, if you will. And that sounds it's like a cheesy way to put it, but it's mm -hmm. totally true. We have become this sort of indoor generation. And now there are things like Richard Louv's Last Child in the Woods book mm -hmm. that really talks about nature deficit disorder and really spells it out for us. And that book is old. He right. was trying to warn us years and years and years ago. And now there's, oh my gosh, so we spend so much of our time outside. There's things like a thousand hours outside challenge. Have you ever heard of that? Yep. Yep. I have. Yeah. We're, uh, I would say we're part of that, but I just don't have that much time to fill in all the circles. I just um, do the math in my head and spend more than three hours outside a day. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. It's like, Let's just uh, let's just get out there and do it. And before you know mm -hmm. it, you know, you're, you've spent that amount of time, but maybe you haven't counted it. But, you know, everybody's got their different approaches and whatever it takes to kind of get the movement going and get the point across that, like, you know, every day we try to go on at least two walks with our kid. And wow. I know that that comes with some some privilege of a, about our schedule and like mm -hmm. having your dad be a musician and all this. Um, and so that's a little hard uh, line for us to walk. You know, we've been as a family just to be completely vulnerable and open. Um, my wife and I have just been struggling with like, okay, do we unplug from the city and go out and kind of do this homeschooling thing and mm -hmm. do our own thing in the woods uh, versus, you know, staying in Minneapolis where we're at and being a part of our neighborhood and really uh, looking at like participating in the public school system and making that better and more 
uh, equitable and um, exposing our kid to more diversity and the reality of our situation. And um, finding that middle ground has been something that we're really looking for. We're looking for um, guidance and wisdom on um, mm -hmm. a way to kind of create a village school that is also diverse and based in kind of the reality of some, you know, some people live in cities and we can't all just go out into the woods and like <laughs> mm -hmm. live a homeschool uh, life. So um, I think that's interesting. I think there's a lot of families that are craving something like that, um, that isn't mm -hmm. all mainstream, fast city life and, you know, isn't all just unplugging and going out into the woods. So where, where we find that middle ground, I think is going to be really interesting in the next 10 years. I think there's going to be a space that opens up for, for people that want to, to walk that line. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. It is interesting. I, um, gosh, so many thoughts. Now my head's just spinning. Look out. <laughs> the thought train's uh, <laughs> driving through pretty fast. Um, there is a lot of diversity in homeschool, just to put that out there. Like oh, tons. Yeah. yeah, tons. Huh. And, um, and my kids are minorities here. And it's mm -hmm. very, very interesting. Very interesting, that whole world. And it's not, not the same everywhere, for sure. And I'll be the first to admit, I live on the most isolated island chain in the, on the planet. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so it's very um, different out here. And we're very far removed from a lot of things. And, and when you said Minneapolis, my, my mind just, I couldn't even imagine. Like the only thing yeah. I know about it is what I'm, what I'm shown on TV. And we don't really watch TV. So mm -hmm. then I feel kind of disconnected from that. And I have similar thoughts when I'm talking to my audience or even the way I show up on Instagram or um, on my blog or anything like that, just sharing my experience. Um, but then also knowing that um, not everyone gets to work for themselves. You know, we are right. entrepreneurs, we work from home. Um, and then also trying to find ways to inspire people who maybe want more of that um, by showing them like, Hey, this is how we set it up. And it was very intentional. And yep. we knew that we wanted to opt out of our modern society. We just, yep. we just did, um, because we see a lot of, um, toxicity and we see a lot of negative messages and, and how can we be part of the change and, and what does that change look like? And, and then figuring out where, um, my wheelhouse is in that change is really just, it's very challenging. Um, and then also staying true to me and choosing which um, uh, causes, if you will, um, that mm -hmm. I can get behind with good conscience and all of that. And like things like, for example, because we don't know each other that well, Joe, yeah. <laughs> like the indigenous birth workers um, and midwives and midwifery and bettering birth and bettering the birth culture, like even just talking about it and telling you about that, like I'm lit up, you know, I'm like, nice. yes, what am I going to do today to make this better, you know, and just trying to speak into that, you know, helping families with their homeschool journey, finding peace and joy instead of the heaviness of it. Um, but it takes this like completely different perspective. But for me, um, I found the piece, well, part of the piece, if you will, like personal piece, so I can move forward and do more thoughtful thinking about it for myself and my family while also creating change. Right. Oh, this is, well, children's no, music. Guys. This is where we came, you know, but <laughs> I, I found that piece this. by opting out. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's each one of us kind of, like you said, finding our uh, authentic kind of meaningful journey of what we mm -hmm. can actually do that, that, that feels right to us. 
and it takes all types, right? We need you all on, on that extreme to kind of push us towards this realization that the modern way of, of doing things is, is pretty toxic these mm -hmm. days. And so we need reminders and examples of people that have done it full on. And then, you know, you ask yourself, how, how far am I willing to go? And what am, am I able to do? And what is my deep self calling me to, to be for my kids and for my family? And, and that's where I'm at right now, you know, asking those questions for the last couple of years and mm -hmm. trying to really feel um, where best, you know, our family is suited to be and, and our band too, you know, it's like, it does pull back into children's music because we put messages into our songs and um, it's like, we have an option to like, do you want to just do a dance fun, crazy album next? Or do we want to do kind of something that has a little more intention about right. like the seasons and, and rhythms of everyday life and, and kind of bringing in more of these homeschool values or Waldorf style values. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I think we're just wrestling with all of that right now and, and how to, mix all that together to come up with something authentic that people can, can, can get some strength from by listening to it. Mm -hmm. So good. Oh, it, that happens. Yes. hundred percent with your music. And I'm just really struck by knowing now that you live in a city and yet there is such a nature base and an outdoorsy and encouraging and connection with nature message in your music. And it's really blown my mind how you can show that that is possible no matter where you live. Right. Yeah. We, we do make a lot of time, you know, carve out a lot of time for, for trips up into central and northern Minnesota. So we have mm -hmm. a lot of that, um, of course, in our adventure albums that were based on kind of our nature adventures that were 30 day camping trips. Again, we carved out time to really immerse ourselves in whether that was the Appalachian Trail, the Mississippi River, we did a horse packing trip in the Rockies. We did a dog sledding trip up north. Oh my um, gosh. You know, those were all albums that were thematically dedicated to 30 days in the woods of just like no um it was just songwriting you know no distractions and just like feeling what it what it feels to be out there sleeping outside every night and um that's one way to do it and then also just like the little bits throughout the day you know we always try to get out to we have just a little little bit of woods here in our neighborhood and a, a creek and we just that has become our kind of um, meditation is just to get mm -hmm. out there and walk that and get to know those trees and get to know those little bends in the creek and uh, watch them change throughout the year. So yes, yeah, so good. So it, you good. can find it in the city too. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, really interesting thing we talk about in homeschool sometimes um, is just plant identification as mm. a really powerful way to connect with nature. So right. getting to know the plants that are in your yard and there's all these really a nice mashup of like modern and, and learning not modern, not modern ways are the apps actually the plant identification apps. Those are fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's into that too. She's yeah. doing great stuff with like, she's into herbalism and, and that type of stuff. So she, she's been doing a great job with HAP every day, getting out there and looking at, looking at plants and what they do. 
Um, there's a book that we've been really into, which is Braiding Sweetgrass. I don't know if you've read that. That book. is the second time this week that that book has come across my path. Yeah, we love it. We, we okay. just take so much wisdom from that book um, cool. as a family and, and how what our relationship with plants is. And so she's mm. drawing from, you know, um, indigenous ways of, of recognizing plants and acknowledging them as, as beings. You mm. know? Yeah. yeah, that's what I was getting from that thing. It's so cool. I would love to exchange uh, book, book lists with your wife there uh, <laughs> when it comes to the herb stuff, because I've got some super pretty ones. And then ones I inherited from another um, really interesting farmer here too. Wow. Well, I want to tap into the education piece of what you do because you guys actually have a study guide on your website. And I know that the homeschool moms are going to eat this up, but I also think all the, all the moms are going to eat this up, man. Um, share with my listeners a little bit about what that includes and why you put that together. Sure. So the reason why we put it together is, you know, we tour all over the country as the Okie Dokie brothers um, when it's not a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, you know, we were uh, doing that, we would go to performing arts centers um, all over the States and um, schools would bus in and um, well, we would play, you know, family shows on the weekends too, but this was kind of our weekday thing where uh, then the performing arts centers would be sending this um, study guide out to, to the schools and I'm, I'm sure tons of homeschoolers um, tap into those programs too. So mm-hmm. we put that together um, in efforts to kind of explain what the show is all about. Um, so there's a section about just like who we are, how we grew up together, and the kind of music that we play, talking about that difference between bluegrass and old time and singer-songwriter. Um, and then it goes through kind of our, our albums and the trips we took. So the Mississippi River trip, the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide, the North Woods, and how the regions um, influenced those albums and how the music of those regions kind of uh, seeped into the the feel and the melodies and the chord patterns of what we were doing there um, and the lyrics, of course. So um, there was that, and then it just goes into kind of the instruments that we play, the strings, um, the percussion, the um, you know questions you can ask before you see the show and after the show, mm-hmm. and then we have a section on kind of the vocabulary that we use uh, around folk music and old time music, as well as kind of the outdoor expeditions. Um, so yeah, I really do think a lot of your listeners would would get a lot out of that, and you can just work it through with your family and and take a take a lot out of it. So check it out. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's, um, it's just so extra. You didn't have to do that and you did. And, uh, we noticed and appreciated it. So thank you. Thank you. What changes have you seen in children's and family music since starting your music career? Um, we talk about lifelong learning a lot here on the show and how there is this slow unfolding of understanding and growth and all of that. And I'm just kind of curious what that looks like in the uh, family music realm. Yeah, so I guess when we got into it, maybe around 2008 or nine, um, there's a little bit of this like <laughs> compensating for this cheesiness of like, oh, mm. we know that children's music was kind of like has this reputation of of cheesy old uh, folkies or something. So I think a lot of the bands were trying to kind of like ironically be uh, like 
like funny or weird or um, just like rock out really hard and like, yeah, we're, we're, we're the cool kids music. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, we were kind of part of that. We had a few albums early on that were just a little, I don't know, a little over the top or something like um, proving our <laughs> coolness or something. <laughs> and I just think the genre has chilled out a little bit and just said like, yeah, we make kids music and it's an awesome art form because um, it's the simplicity on the other side of complexity, right? And I, I just love writing like that. I think you, um, it's the concept of like, um, I don't know if you've heard the quote of like, I don't, I, I don't know exactly, there's a couple people who have said something like this, but like simplicity on this side of complexity, um, I'm not interested in. But on the other side of complexity, you know, I'd, I'd give my life for, for that simplicity. Mm. And once you kind of recognize that that's what you're partaking in is this challenge to get to simplicity over there. Uh, I think you just kind of say like, wow, this is, this is really meaningful. This is a great calling and there's no need for me to like overdo it. Like, let's just, um, you know, get into our process right every day and try to like literally uh, become uh, masters at this craft. And that has been happening in our genre where people have just been owning it and getting to a whole new level of creating good art for families. Mm -hmm. As a fellow creator, I totally get what you're saying. That's amazing. And yeah, some of my best work is definitely just not in the overthinking part of it and just in the yeah. doing. And, and there is a, a element of answering your calling too. And when you step into that, it really just things start to flow a lot more. I even have a series here on the show called the call to create series where mm. I interview people who, have, who have stepped into that and really succeeded with it. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Nice. Would you mind actually sharing a little bit about your process? Um, the songwriting process for any of my audience who is listening, we have a ton of creatives here on the show. And then I also know there are a lot of kids listening in the background who might feel inspired or curious about what it's like, you know, what the process is like to write children's music. Of course. Yeah. I love talking about this type of stuff. Cool. Um, both Justin and I are pretty big, um, into morning pages and yeah. um, kind of the artist way philosophy mm -hmm. um, of getting up every day and writing three pages of just kind of um, brain drain, right? Getting, getting all your thoughts out and moving things along. And maybe in the middle of those three pages, you write a little poem or have a joke or you notice some sort of connection between two words that you've never noticed before, but it just gets the juices flowing and also sets your day out um, to kind of know what your priorities are. And um, you also process stuff uh, maybe of the past that you're like just needing to vent um, and get mm -hmm. out of the way. Mm -hmm. So we do that every day. Um, and it's a huge part of our creative process because it leads to ideas for albums and, and stories and songs. Um, and then when it comes to actually sitting down and writing, we, um, you know, for a typical album, maybe we have 15 songs on an album. We try to write like 50 or 60 songs um, for an album. And then we, uh, we pick the best ones for, for the record. Um, we, we just have this thing with numbers of like, just kind of create a lot and not everything is going to be brilliant and that's okay. Um, yeah. You can take a step back later and choose which ones kind of connect. But we, 
we do try to to write a song you know every couple weeks and um the way we do that is i i would start a song on my own just like the basic concept um and try to fill in as much as i can but then i'll take a phone recording of the tune and the lyrics and i just send it over to justin and we have an ongoing kind of google document where we're just always editing shifting um changing things and then i give it to him and he takes a crack at it changes things records it sends it back to me and we go back and forth like that until we feel like we've got a solid tune or until we just say yeah this one's not going anywhere and we we drop it right Mm -hmm. um yeah and then we have tons of conversations every day you know him and i are on the phone and we would be talking about you know the general direction where we're going of like it seems like we need maybe more songs that are funnier or character based or we don't have an animal song yet or something like that (laughs) where those are things where it's like you file that in the back of your head and later when you're writing about jackalopes you're like oh jackalope we got to get one of those songs in there so (laughs) you know, it's just a lot of communication. It's a lot of trial and error um, until, you know, you figure out where you're going. We never really do know until, you know, (laughs) most of the songs are written and then we're like, oh, this is where it was, was heading. Um, It's hard, it's hard to preconceive that kind of stuff. And uh, right now we're in the middle of a huge project that during COVID we decided to dive into kind of a plot based album with characters Mm -hmm shared setting and all that and it's just been one of those things where uh, you never know what's next until you just write write the next song and and the songs kind of are are driving the whole thing um and we're we're in the back seat holding on while the creative spirit just runs through us and that's Mm -hmm. what we've surrendered to yeah thank you for saying that and pointing that out um it always feels very brave for artists to come and say something like that it's something that was talked about when i was getting my degrees and i feel really fortunate in my early 20s to be exposed to all of these authors who would come and give talks and people are like how do you do it and they're like well this is gonna sound a little hooty doody but (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know i feel like i was tapped on the shoulder and said hey would you mind writing this down we're like yep happy to help, Mm -hmm. you know, happy to serve sort of thing. And, and the collaboration piece is so interesting to me too. Wow. A lot of consistency and communication, it sounds like. And it's, it's really good for us to hear about that daily practice and the pragmatics of it. I'm very familiar with the artist's way and the morning pages. I'm a little jealous, kind of wish there were more jokes in my morning pages. None (laughs) have ever showed up. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's are different though, right? Yeah. That's, That's all right. I love that. And it, it just invites us to make space for the unfolding that happens and knowing that clarity, you don't have to go into projects with clarity, that it can come as you're working and as you're creating. But there is definitely work and intention and, and time um, that's spent creating. And it's just so, so, so good for us to hear. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Do you have a favorite album or a favorite song that you've written? Oh, well, that's, you know, we always say that's like, you know, choosing your favorite kid or something. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Um, Well, one answer, you know, we tend to go with is like our most recent album is usually our favorite. um, Just because that's kind of where we're at. So Songs for Singing is really special. Um, That's the album we put out right at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, it's got a song on there called Hope Machine that kind of kicks it off. 
And, and it just um, is about, you know, waking up in the morning and, and doing your best to put your one foot in front of the other. Um, the, the whole album goes from morning to night. Um, the first disc is like day and the second disc is, um, is night. And um, we just love kind of the rhythm of the album. It goes from like high energy morning stuff to maybe a lull in the afternoon and then high energy evening stuff to, to lullabies at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, we've just noticed that that's how the day kind of goes um, with ups and downs like that. So we loved that aspect of it. And um, it was just our take on like the most, um, you know, universal songs we could write in a kind of a classic kid song way um, without getting too thematic. Our previous albums are like, you know, river songs, Appalachian songs, mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain, horseback riding, um, winter songs. So this was our take of saying like, oh, instead of, you know, a, a very specific theme or region, we're just going to write what comes from our heart and um, a general take on childhood and family life. Mm, so good. And I know what you mean. And when you started saying it's like choosing a favorite child or it's the last one that we did, I totally get it. If someone had asked me the very unfair question of which podcast episode is your favorite, I feel like, uh-huh. oh man, I don't know, probably the last one I put out. Right, <laughs> right. So true. And Hope Machine, oh my gosh, I'm just going to go ahead and encourage all my listeners, if that ends up being your introduction to the Okie Dokie Brothers, wow, look out. That, that is like the legit theme song of 2020. And there have definitely been some moments in my day where I'm like, you know what, everybody, we're just going to listen to Hope Machine on repeat as we're driving to the store. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. They're not mad about it. They listen. (laughs) That song really connected to what was going on. Of course, Mm -hmm. we wrote it before we knew about COVID and all that. But um, the fact that it was track one and had to do with, um, just oh doing gosh. your best to, yeah. to live every day. It just really spoke to the moment and people mm-hmm. resonated with it. It was our most listened to song yeah. of the year. Um, we can see that in our stats and stuff. And so that's a good one. The other one, while you kind of mentioned, you know, picking favorite songs, I'm not saying this is my favorite overall. I just know I have a pretty deep connection to the song called Church of the Woods. Very um, good. It's a song, very good song. Yeah, it's on the second out, uh, second disc of Songs for Singing. And uh, I was just raised in, you know, a Catholic family. My mom was a religion teacher and um, religion has, has been a part of my life. I've, I've, you know, shifted in my adulthood to mm-hmm. a more, you know, broad understanding of spirituality, like I think many people have. And this was my effort to kind of bridge the, the worlds of traditional religion and, and the spiritual connection we get from from being outdoors and connected to, to nature. So um, that song has kind of a special place in my heart. And Mm -hmm. I know that there's families out there that strive to maintain a spiritual connection for their kids and explain that there might be something bigger than ourselves, but struggle with like how exactly without all the, the, (laughs) I don't want to call it baggage, but for some people it is baggage for other people. It's just, um, yeah, it's hard to, to delve into that world fully. Um, so Mm -hmm. anyway, I wanted to throw that out. And of course, no disrespect for folks that just are completely, um, okay with their religious 
um, way of bringing up their families. That's, that's beautiful. And if that's authentic, I say, go for it. Um, for me, I was just trying to put my finger on something again in, in between these two worlds. It's so good. Thank you for that song. Um, yeah, no, no worries. My audience isn't really easily offended. They get that there's different ways of looking at things. And that song in particular, too, my children really love um, because they are raised in a home with parents who have different um, spiritual beliefs. And I, too, was raised Catholic. Um, and just this past year have kind of said, hey, I'm not really Catholic anymore, um, but I identify as a Christian. Um, but what does that mean? And does that mean I have to identify with a established church or a, an established religion or, or whatnot. And, and so it actually has given my children who are currently seven, five, and three, uh, something to hear and listen to and consider because we also go on very regular hikes and it does feel very spiritual. Um, and there's just certain parts on Maui that are just blow your mind, spiritual connection areas that have nothing to do with organized religion or churches. Wow. So it it really beautiful. does. It is. You should come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we should. You know, we collaborated with a Hawaiian musician. Um, yeah. So we have this song called Ukulele in a Snowstorm. Mm. Yes. Um, and that's on our winter album. Hmm. Um, Paula Fuga. Um, have you heard of Paula Fuga? Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh she my... sings on that song and She's... she plays ukulele on it. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, my Maui listeners, we're all, where our minds are blown at this moment in time. I can't even believe I don't know this song. I'm having a moment. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we oh met her gosh. at a festival. We were playing music in Arkansas and she was there and we connected and had a great time with her, um, hung out like mm -hmm. most of the night and she's just an awesome person. So we, She uh, is, man, connected. you should... Yeah. Wow. You should, wow. Oh my gosh. We'll have to, all the things. That's all I have to say. All my Maui moms, they know, they know what I'm thinking in this moment. Oh my gosh. It's so amazing. Yeah. Holy heck. Wow. So is that part of your tour? Like the festivals and stuff is part of your tour? Touring? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we'll find ourselves at uh, festivals and they'll have a family stage and we play those. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, a lot of times it's these performing arts centers is where we find ourselves or local theaters that, um, that bring us in. Mm -hmm. Well, I never get to ask this question of anybody and I'm always curious. So what's, what's your favorite part of touring? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, um, of course the shows themselves have a ton mm -hmm. of energy and interaction. All of our shows are, are participatory. So there's a lot of call and response and there's a lot of like actions and things. We kind of get kids up doing things with their families. Um, but for me, afterwards and i don't know where this is going after covid but mm -hmm. we would sit out in the lobbies after our shows with a table of and we would sign uh cds and shake hands and um take pictures with fans um and get to hear their stories of why the music um, means something to them or that maybe they'd have little stories to tell us about when they found a, a jackalope out in the rocky mountains or whatever mm -hmm. it is um gosh, those connections were something I took for granted. And now after a year of not having any of those, I'm just like in, in dire need of that connection. Mm -hmm. Because man, that was, that was special to, to see how the music was actually affecting people. Mm -hmm. uh, see, so I love that. 
There you go with your thoughtful reflection again. It's just such a good example for us to hear um, and to process. And it kind of just by you doing that gives us permission to slow down and be more thoughtful and reflective too, because there's so many answers and so much understanding that happen in those moments. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. Well, what is next for you guys? Are you all working on any new projects? Is there anything in the works that you'd like to share with us? Sure. So um, obviously this year has just been a lot of time for writing and exploring where we want to go from here since we're not on the road. Um, And so I mentioned it a little bit earlier, you know, we're working on kind of a narrative idea and we're working with characters and um, plots and, you know, obviously we talked about storytelling and there's Mm -hmm. a bit of that in this new project. Um, we're still pretty unclear of where it's going or why we're doing it or anything like that. But uh, we just started writing songs about um, animals and, and why they're motivated to do this or that. And, and it kind of just started um, unveiling itself and we're just following a path. So don't know where that's going to end up, but um, we'll keep working on it. And um, I think the other thing we're really um, working on these days is collaboration and, um, Mm -hmm. being a part of a community in the children's music world that is dedicated to diversity and, uh, elevating voices that have been overlooked. So we are participating in a group called Family Music Forward that is doing good work to, to help people find out about different types of children's music. And if you don't mind, um, you know, taking just a second here to to call out a few of those musicians. Um, If you're into like hip hop, um, there's a a guy named Pierce Freelon who's making records right now for kids. Um, He's got an album called DAD and it's a beautiful, (laughs) beautiful record about his relationship with his daughter and, Mm -hmm. and their creativity together and how they kind of rap every day and they, he throws on like voice memos on the album of them just kind of interacting that mm-hmm. we really took a lot from. Um, there's a woman named Elena Moon Park who uh, kind of has these albums that are Americana meets Asian folk tunes mm. um, from East Asia and Southeast Asia, which we really love. And, um, and there's a lot of like Spanish albums right now. Uno Dos Tres Andres is amazing. What? Laura Bromley. There's just this this well of of great uh, musicians that I I just have to whenever I get a chance make sure people are aware of. And again, that playlist of um, family music artists of color is a great place to start if if your family's interested in in diving into different types of of children's music. Oh yeah, we are way into it. And I immediately got on my phone and looked up um, Elena Moon Park because there's a huge Asian influence here in Hawaii. And just, I'm so curious about it. Thank you for that list. I will, gosh, yeah, I will include any you want me to include in the show notes and definitely all the ones that you mentioned. And I'm super stoked to share the DAD album with my husband. He's, you know, anything that honors um, dads and the connection with daughters, especially all, all the good. <laughs> I'm nice. so excited for that. Thank you so much. Um, Family Music Forward, is there a way that we can find and connect with that? Yeah, I think they've got a Facebook page up with okay. kind of their initiatives. So just check them out there. 
Okay, cool. And I know my listeners are going to want to connect with you more. Where can they find you and your music and your albums and your amazing videos and your merch and all that you have to offer? Sure. So, I mean, the easiest place that has everything is okidoki.org. And so we spell awesome. our, our band name O-K-E-E-D-O-K-E-E. Um, the double E's. And so you got to check out the website. Yeah. And we've got all of our videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, You can follow us on socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And then the best way, of course, um, you have two, two choices. You've got the digital world of Spotify and Apple music and Amazon. We're on all of that digitally for streaming um, or downloading. Uh, But we also have a merch page that has our albums that come with little books. Um, Some of them have lyric books. Um, some of them have picture books. And then we also have full on the story books too. Um, one's called Thousand Star Hotel. That's about um, these two little critters um, that you might, your, your, your audience might be interested in an actual story that comes with a CD. And then there's another lyric book out there with a CD. So um, yeah, check out the merch page if you want something physical. Thank you so much. I am going to link to all of that in the show notes, Joe. This has been amazing. This has just filled me up so much this morning. I am just so inspired and feel like my lens is widened, but I've also looked in a little bit too. And just, man, there's just so much to motherhood and you coming and talking about children's music and the way that you do, you guys producing it. Um, being transparent and vulnerable and all the things that you have offered have just really expanded my heart and my mind this morning. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate that. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's, it's the same, same feeling over here. I love having these conversations with people who obviously have been thinking about these types of subjects and yeah, Lori Beth, it sounds like you're doing great work and spreading spreading this energy is what it's all about so obviously mothers and fathers have a great opportunity to influence the new generation and isn't that a great place to start if we want to change the world is like hey how we treat our kids and how we shape their their childhoods can literally change reality as they grow up in a more compassionate way Mm, amen to that thank you so much joe Yeah. Thanks so much. We'll talk later. Okay. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.